Welcome to Blockchain Recorded, the podcast for the tech curious, where we talk about anything and everything related to the exponentially evolving crypto blockchain and Web 3.0 space. Blockchain Recorded's mission is simple, to share knowledge and insight and help evolve education in blockchain fundamentals and decentralization solutions. We at Blockchain Recorded are not registered investment advisors and do not deal with financial or trading token elements nor offer any licensed financial services. The content of this podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only, while the opinions of all parties involved are their own. I'm your host, Nina Zerar. I have a finance background, having worked on Wall Street and the pharmaceutical industry. After living in five countries and dedicating time to my family, I left the corporate world. Today, I work as a freelance consultant and am fascinated by the innovative space of crypto and blockchain, different ways of thinking, and the people that are making that happen. So let's talk blockchain. Before we begin, let me say a few words about our sponsor. This episode's sponsor is Fourth Tech, which is short for Fourth Pillar Technologies. Fourth Tech is a next-gen multi-blockchain ecosystem, platform, cryptocurrency, and a suite of decentralized applications that enable users to exchange metadata, data files, and instant messages from wallet to wallet in a secure and decentralized way. The Fourth Tech Charter aims to establish a foundation for decentralized digital identity, multi-chain data exchange, digital data notarization, and decentralization of cloud storage. The Fourth Tech Initiative strives to enable a self-sovereign framework of data authorization and ownership representation and leverages the power of blockchain to facilitate data source and time confirmation. Established back in 2017, the initiative is composed of individuals and companies that collaborate to create decentralized solutions for the benefit of everyone. Its two main innovations are 4DX, that can be described as the blockchain we transfer alternative, where the protocol leverages trust sourced from the blockchain and provides a secure, immutable wallet A to wallet B data file exchange. And 4IM, which uses Solana blockchain to serve as an immutable ledger exchanging encrypted short instant messages from wallet address A to wallet address B, theoretically in real time. So now let us continue with the podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Denis Yazbitz. Denis is the CTO at Fourth Tech, a veteran blockchain developer and a Kawasaki Ninja writer. Yes, you heard correctly. We will talk about blockchain, data privacy, data decentralization, decentralized data cloud storage solutions, and Denis's views as a developer. Hi, Denis, and welcome to Blockchain Recorded. Hi, Nina. Denis, Tell us about yourself and how your path has led you to where you are today. Um, my name is Denis Yazbets and I'm an engineer in computer science and information technology. I would say that my path uh, started at age 14 when I built my first website with the help of online tutorials. I went to high school for computer science where I got my first uh, basic uh, programming knowledge and later on graduated from computer science college in Slovenia. At that time, I worked in a company where we made online stores on a, on a Magento platform. And after two and a half years, I left that company and went on my own. After a year, I got the opportunity to join the Fortech team as a CTO, where I'm still today. Great. And how long have you been with Fortech? I met the team back in 2017. There were talks about how to exchange uh, sensitive documents uh, over the blockchain and what needed to be built uh, to achieve that. 
after months of concept development, the beta work uh, started and I have been working on Vortex Solutions ever since. Oh, interesting. So you've been part of the story since the ICO era, yeah. um, which brings me to the next question. So what, what motivates you and how do you like to be challenged? I admit that at first my only motivation was money. <laughs> <laughs> But then I realized that money, of course, is not everything. Of um, course, yeah. You have to be happy doing the work you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I experienced that firsthand when I'm learning uh, and discovering new things. Uh, time flies by really quickly. But when I do some work uh, repeatedly over and over again, uh, things starts to become boring. Um, mm-hmm. I like to do non-repetitive programming work. Uh, and I want to work with technologies that have a future. Um, also gives me additional motivation when I have to learn new and exciting things. Uh, overall, that was also the reason why I joined the Fortech team. Sure, sure. So you're a software engineer, and I've been, always been curious what goes on in a developer's mind. What does your day look like? <laughs> it's like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's boring, uh, sometimes exciting, uh, sometimes uh, stressful. Uh, sometimes I work days, uh, sometimes night. Um, I work mostly at night uh, because I'm a lot more productive. Sometimes I push myself too hard. Mm-hmm. For example, this year in April, uh, there was a deadline for the Edgeware integration and mm-hmm. we had some unexpected problems. So I worked uh, 43 hours uh, straight and it was very stressful at, at that time. Wow. I don't recommend uh, working that much uh, because it's not healthy. <laughs> no, no. So I guess you can call that a programming marathon. Uh, it was certainly a record for me. It sounds like it. That sounds pretty intense. And even more intense, I, I heard that you ride fast motorbikes. Is that true? And if so, why? Yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I ride a Kawasaki Ninja uh, ZX-10R mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has a 1000cc engine with uh, 200 uh, horsepower. I always wanted to have a sports motorbike um, it has been my dream since uh, childhood. Uh, I also have a hard Enduro KTM, which is not fast, uh, but I also enjoy it. You know, motorbikes are a perfect way to free my mind. Uh, sure. Because when, when I'm on a motorbike, there is only me, my motorbike, and focus on the road. There is no stress. Uh, when I have too much pressure or other problems, I go on a motorbike for a couple of hours. And when I come back, I'm completely rejuvenated. So would you say you're hooked on adrenaline? I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) I like adrenaline sports. Uh, A year before I bought my Ninja, I started a skydiving course. Mm. Uh, But then the following year, when I had to continue, I bought a motorbike, which brought me more pleasure. Uh, but maybe one day when I will have more time, I will continue with skydiving. <laughs> sure. Interesting. I'm uh, I'm actually still trying to connect your affinity to adrenaline sports with blockchain. So um, let's, let's talk about that. So how do you see blockchain technology today, as of today? Um, for certain things, I think blockchain technology is a key evolution technology. If you use it in the right way. Um, mm-hmm. But in some areas, I don't think it's necessary because blockchain technology is not a solution to all of our problems. Okay, so what areas would you say you don't need blockchain? Um, For example, if you want to store confidential information, we know that every recorded transaction is visible to everyone and is permanently recorded on a blockchain. 
also if you need some data to be updated rapidly or you need high speed performance we know that before a transaction is recorded on a blockchain it goes through a consensus mechanism that takes uh, some time uh, from seconds to hours and depends on depends on the blockchain mm-hmm. in some cases you deal with data that needs to be updated in milliseconds but overall if you don't need decentralization or you are a single authority who stores data then i don't see valuable to use blockchain mm-hmm. uh, we also have to consider a, a network cost when we store data on a blockchain it depends from case to case uh, when it's relevant to use blockchain benefits so what do you think are blockchain's main benefits the main benefits of blockchain are that you have enhanced security so that when a transaction is recorded on a blockchain it's linked to a previous transaction so to change a single transaction record we would have to change all subsequent records on a blockchain um, also there you have a greater transparency and traceability mm, sure um so to what extent or where do you think these benefits are achieved across industries today for example i see that that financial transactions um, supply chain information mm-hmm. um, data sharing um, digital voting um, the internet of things and many more already use those benefits successfully right right sure um so let's move on to the notion of decentralization is full decentralization achievable in fourth tech yes it's possible um it's also our goal at fourth tech to have a fully decentralized solutions Mm-hmm. Um, it's essential because if something is decentralized this is available even if some server is down and the more something is decentralized um, the less likely it is that it stops working okay and so what what would be necessary to achieve full decentralization or maybe what would be the steps that you at fourth tech need to take to achieve full decentralization So for us to have a fully decentralized solution uh, we have to move uh, our public key repository uh, file storage and user identification information to a safe and decentralized storage in some cases it's also crucial to have a GDPR compliant decentralized solution which often limits uh, our choice uh, we also did some research and brainstorming on this topic which maybe brings us to develop a new decentralized storage solution. Ah, okay. So, decentralized cloud data storage um that brings us to this topic. What is it? What does it consist of and most importantly, how does it work? Decentralized cloud storage is a network uh, consisting of multiple nodes. Ideally, the network has thousands of nodes uh, located across the globe that are independently owned and operated and mm-hmm. every node in a network uh, can store data um, in other words a node is a server computer or any other device that can store data mm-hmm. and the beauty of decentralized cloud storage is that that your data is very secure um, at first your data is end to end encrypted which means mm-hmm. that your data is encrypted on a user computer before it's uploaded on a network the second thing is that the data is in most cases um, broken into pieces Mm-hmm. and then spread out to the network of nodes which makes it extremely hard to steal your data it's almost impossible 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the next thing is that even if some nodes are offline, you can still access your data. I see. So more nodes means stronger decentralization. Um, you mentioned you did research on a viable decentralized cloud data solution for Fourth Tech. Can you talk about that a bit more? Yes, it's true uh, that we have been working about um, how to approach this issue from 2017 on, mm-hmm. uh, when the plan was to store the encrypted exchange users' data on IPFS. To clarify, uh, when users exchange data using our 4DX protocol, uh, blo- blockchain is not used to store data files, but to record links to the metadata files and their checksums. Mm-hmm. And then metadata files containing additional info, such as attachments, uh, their checksums, uh, subject, mm-hmm. description, etc. Mm-hmm. The data files are being exchanged between users or between wallets. Um, uh, the data files are being exchanged between users or between wallets are being temporarily stored in a, in cloud storage. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To truly decentralize our solution, IPFS would be appropriate, but we could not get it to work with GDPR. Mm. Um, the data files once recorded to IPFS are immutable. Uh, what we needed was mutable solution. And the GDPR states that data can be modified or erased where necessary. So given this GDPR factor, does this mean you can or cannot achieve data decentralization? Decentralization of data can be achieved, uh, but it's Mm -hmm. hard to be compliant at the same time. Okay. Um, So what we're thinking now is to offer users two choices. One is to use the cloud temporary storage where data is mutable and can be deleted. Mm-hmm. As explained previously, mm-hmm. the 4Tech wallet uh, to wallet data exchange protocol does not store any personal data on the blockchain. Um, mm-hmm. The data is stored off chain. Um, the protocol re- records links to encrypted files and hashes of the encrypted content on the blockchain. And the hashing of exchange da- data enables GDPR compliance. For mm-hmm. example, if there were a request to delete some data, uh, the network con- controller would be able to delete the requested data from off-chain storage, uh, leaving what would then become an empty hash on-chain. Okay, I see. And then what is the second option you mentioned? Um, or to offer users a choice to select a decentralized option to temporarily or permanently store their received data. Mm-hmm. There are already three viable options on the market that offer data decentralization. There is the Filecoin project, mm-hmm. uh, SIA, and storage. Uh, mm-hmm. Either we connect to one of the existing solutions or we develop a unique one. Uh-huh, I see. So uh, what would your unique solution to decentralized storage look like if you were to opt for a unique option? Uh, if we would develop our own, I think uh, that we would use one of the bigger blockchain network as a security mm-hmm. um, trust layer to verify the needed data between data miners, because why not use an already established decentralized blockchain rather than build one from scratch? Um, it's usually mm-hmm. better to use existing blockchains. Mm-hmm. The second thing that we would do is develop a light desktop client that anybody could install and participate with his or her available hard disk storage. I'm talking about uh, small participators like you and me, not big IT companies or storage facilities. Sure, I'm, sure. I'm talking about um, giving anybody with an internet connection and a computer a chance to participate by sharing empty storage and earn some for. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are many issues still open that we must approach. Uh, sure, sure. Um, so... How does all of this sync with what you currently have as a data storage solution? Um, currently, 
we have a completely centralized data storage solution, um, which is obviously not ideal. Mm -hmm. um, the location of this data is on one data center. This can lead to some downtime and users can't access this data. Um, that's also a reason why we are looking forward to decentralizing as much as possible. What's your opinion about data decentralization? Do you think um, it's important? Yes, uh, data decentralization is important, uh, mm -hmm. of course, because you want to have access to data no matter what. Um, also, no single authority controls your data and your data is more secure on decentralized storage. Um, as I said before, your data is encrypted and spread over the network of nodes, giving you the security that you can get on centralized solutions. Okay, so this is in, in theory, to, to better picture this, can you maybe give us an example? Uh, sure. Let's say that you store some data on Google Drive, uh, which offers cloud storage. Mm -hmm. um, so you upload some data that is accessible in your Google Drive. Mm -hmm. um, this uploaded data is unencrypted unless you encrypt it with some particular program before uploading it. Mm -hmm. um, so unencrypted data leads to data exposure um, mm -hmm. to everyone who has access to the data center. Those are not just Google employees, but also hackers if they find a vulnerability and gain sure, access. Sure, sure, uh, sure. You can also lose access to your data if Google decides to block you from using their services. Mm -hmm. um, they can also have some services offline and at that time you can't access your data. There is also a lack of privacy because you can't know for what purposes they're using your data. Mm -hmm. um, you know, <laughs> if you're not paying for the product, then you're a product right right uh, on descent on decentralized cloud storage uh, you don't have those concerns uh, it's a different story right right so you're as i as far as i understand you're adding new blockchain support pretty quickly you added substrate support this year and you're planning to add solana correct uh, yes uh, we are also working on solana integration right now we plan to go live in q4 if everything goes smoothly. And so how does this process of adding Solana actually look like? In other words, what does it mean when you say you're adding, quote unquote, Solana? Um, okay. <laughs> I will try to explain as simple as possible. Great. Uh, to add Solana blockchain support, uh, we must research and go through Solana documentation uh, to get the needed information so that we will be able to complete all the necessary steps uh, to successfully add support. Mm -hmm. um, the first step is to add it to the Fortec wallet. The wallet is basically used for storing private keys and signing transactions. Um, mm -hmm. Currently, the wallet supports uh, Ethereum, Dollar Hashnet, and Substrate-based accounts. Uh, so Solana will be the fourth one. Mm -hmm. So to add Solana to the Fortec wallet, uh, we must implement the following functionalities to the wallet. Uh, so first one is generating and storing a Solana key pair. Mm -hmm. um, the next one, we have to be able to backup and restore this key pair. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to sign transactions data with this key pair. The next step is to develop smart contracts, which will be deployed on the Solana blockchain and will be able to store and return requested data. And the last step is to add uh, Solana support to the Fortec web platform. Uh, we need to develop uh, communication between web client and smart contract deployed on the Solana blockchain and our wallet to sign transactions and get the information about wallet addresses. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about multi-blockchain interoperability? Is this important for you as well? Uh, well, 
I think it's crucial to have support for different blockchains um, mm -hmm. so the users can choose between them uh, depending on their needs. Uh, also, there are some advantages uh, from blockchain to blockchain. Um, they mainly differentiate between speed, price of transaction and level of decentralization. And of course, uh, we, can, we can't know which blockchains uh, will survive in the future. So it's good to have a choice. Right, understood. You briefly mentioned this before, that it's better to support other systems instead of building your own blockchain from scratch. So why is that? Um, from a business perspective, it's wiser to use one already established blockchain uh, than to start building your own. Mm -hmm. um, if you want your blockchain to succeed, you need a good level of decentralization. And for good level of decentralization, you need a big community that uh, hosts your blockchain. Then you need uh, to have added value against other blockchains. Otherwise, you have one more blockchain in the space. Uh, then you have to have some developer tools, good documentation that helps uh, developers develop on your blockchain and an engaged community that helps build your blockchain and tools. Uh, Sure. So again, it's wiser to support other system versus building your own blockchain. Sure, sure. That's that's fair. So technologically, of all existing and functioning blockchains out there, which blockchain do you prefer the most? I started with Ethereum, uh, mm. so I'm pretty loyal to Ethereum. <laughs> uh, but I also like the Polkadot network, uh, which has some excellent features over Ethereum. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, you can create a custom blockchain quickly using the Substrate framework and then connect it to the Polkadot network uh, where you will get security and interoperability with other blockchains in the network uh, from the start. So it sounds kind of like you're an Ethereum maximalist. Uh, can I ask you, are, are you an Ethereum maximalist? <laughs> Actually, I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I have to ask you then why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ethereum was a pioneer uh, for smart contracts, uh, which are usable. Mm -hmm. um, and that usability brings a lot of users uh, who do a lot of transactions. And this is reflected in the slow speed and high cost of transactions, which is mm -hmm. the most painful thing uh, mm -hmm. right now. I think that Ethereum 2.0 will mainly solve those problems uh, because as we know, Ethereum 2.0 has a proof of stake consensus. Um, mm -hmm. That means that there are no complex calculations behind it. Um, resulting in a higher speed of transactions per second and less energy consumptions, uh, which is also good for the environment. Right. So you think Ethereum 2.0 will solve the gas problem eventually. What about Bitcoin? Uh, you know I have to ask you about Bitcoin after Ethereum. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Bitcoin will mainly act as a store of value. Okay. Um, but it will also be interesting to see what will bring support for smart contracts this year. Okay, sure. So back to existing blockchains, you have a lot of experience with building and deploying on already developed blockchains. Can you explain what tools are key or have to be available to support deployment on a chosen chain, for example? Or um, in other words, what would be, I would say, the perfect development environment um, in your First, uh, there should be a good uh, up-to-date documentation uh, mm -hmm. with some examples of communicating with the blockchain. Second, any, for example, JavaScript library should be available that uh, simplifies communication with the blockchain. Mm -hmm. And third, uh, there should be support 
available which can help if some if you struggle with some problems Mm, okay um would you say do you support multi-blockchain app development and support or do you think that all applications should be deployed on ethereum due to the 10k plus nodes I support innovative blockchains that offer developers new ways to experiment uh, when deploying apps. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that we will always have different blockchains network that will each be specific in their own way and will each offer unique solutions. Uh, so yes, apps should be multi-blockchain interoperable. Mm-hmm. Um, just look at our case. Um, back in 2017, when we started to develop an Ethereum mm-hmm. and up until 2020, gas was not an issue. Um, right. In September 2020, our solution became became unusable to small users due to the Ethereum gas increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when we started to migrate to other chains. Uh, this is one example, but despite the gas increase, uh, Ethereum did not lose uh, its decentralization. Mm-hmm. We can also look at it from another angle. Uh, if someone would need to exchange an extremely valuable package of data files, uh, paying $150 in gas fees is not so terrible, while protected by 10,000 Ethereum node decentralization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As new modern blockchain networks uh, are being developed, uh, most of them are already EVM compatible or are building EVM compatibility modules because most apps uh, were built on Ethereum, as it was the first contract-enabled blockchain, this standard prevailed. Uh, so building multi-blockchain interoperable apps uh, today is not such a big issue. So Ethereum should be used as layer one, handling mostly layer two confirmations and verifications, correct? Uh, yes, um, I think this idea is very logical. Um, if looked uh, strictly from the developer point of view, executing all blockchain processes on an ultra-fast layer one would be faster due to possible bottlenecks uh, that could occur m- between layers. As layer twos are still in the experimental stage, uh, we will have to wait to see how it will all behave. Right, sure, sure. And then what about sidechains? Um, sidechains are another matter altogether. Um, layer twos process their computation and storage uh, while they completely depend on layer one for block validation and security. Uh, sidechains are separate parallel blockchain networks uh, with their own consensus mechanism and their own security. So what would you choose? If I had to choose, I would go with layer twos. Uh, we're looking at Arbitrum Ethereum layer two to enable our users uh, with Ethereum low transaction cost option to clarify when for DX will be deployed on Ethereum layer 2. The users will benefit from Ethereum decentralization and network security uh, while enjoying lower transaction costs. Mm, Okay, so great. So let's switch the topic a little bit. What do you think about digital currency from central banks? I think that this was their reply to cryptocurrency. But this could be a double-edged sword. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's good for transaction speed, but on the other hand, if you want to replace cash with digital currency, then you don't have privacy anymore because their systems are mainly centralized. 
which brings us to surveillance problems. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's not a secret that central banks are planning to roll out their own digital currencies. Um, that can be viewed as an effort to centralize and control not only the glo- global financial system, but also exercise more control over the population, right? So, but without getting into conspiracy theories, um, how do you think this will evolve parallel to Bitcoin and blockchain, which obviously represent the complete opposite ideology. I think Bitcoin will continue to exist uh, as a store of value and Mm -hmm. blockchain technologies will continue to evolve. Bitcoin proved again and again that it cannot be shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, The more people will use it, uh, the more decentralized it gets. The big question is how this space will be regulated. Um, I do think that centralized digital currencies uh, from central banks will somehow coexist with cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the cash uh, that governments want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Uh, cash is difficult to trace. Uh, digital currencies are not. Uh, but right. we will see how the game will play out. Yeah, right. Well, regulation is inevitable. I think we all know this. And on the other hand, developers will most likely be in even more demand. What would you say to, for example, a young developer that wants to enter this space? (laughs) I would tell them not to be afraid. And I recommend that they begin with um, Ethereum, uh, Mm -hmm. which has many examples and many good tools that can help a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, They should start uh, step by step uh, at first they can begin to play around with smart contracts um, they can follow some tutorials that will demonstrate uh, how to build and test smart contracts and then they can start upgrading ne- their knowledge uh, by official documentation um, later on they can try to develop their decentralized app uh, communicating with deployed smart contracts if they have some problems uh, try to google it uh, <laughs> And if they don't find a solution, they can ask the community about it. So Google is welcome in this case, despite the fact that it's centralized? Yes, uh, for sure. <laughs> okay, so we can talk about Google in that respect. Um, what are, I'm curious, what are the programming languages that you use? Solidity is mainly used for smart contracts on Ethereum virtual machine. Um, okay. For developing on Substrate and Solana, there we use uh, Rust. Um, mm-hmm. For client-side applications, we mainly use uh, TypeScript or JavaScript. Uh, we also have some backend services which use uh, PHP language, but it's also possible to use some other languages which completely differs from project to project. Okay, I, I, I will not pretend that I'm familiar with programming languages. <laughs> I've never I've never programmed before. Uh, the closest I've come into contact with contact with programming is. Uh, via my 10-year-old daughter last year, but (laughs) that's that's a side point. Um, I'm uh, just, I'm curious, how many, how many, so many applications are getting built, right? So what blockchain application do you think should be built now? One of the needed applications is an instant messaging app, which we're currently developing at Fortec. Mm -hmm. Um, We are developing instant messaging on the Solana blockchain, uh, which has a quick transaction speed. It's decentralized instant messaging with uh, end-to-end encryption, which brings uh, privacy and communications in the first place. Right. So this is the 4IM, right? We um, we actually mm-hmm. talked about this in our last podcast with Tali and Peter. Where are you in the process right now with 4IM? We just have to complete um, Solana wallet integration, uh, mm-hmm. which is nearly finished. And then we have to implement the 
communication with smart contract uh, into the web platform. Okay. Um, as we wrap up our conversation, uh, Denis, where do you see the crypto and blockchain space in five and then in 10 years? <laughs> Oof, that's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's hard to talk about uh, years because all those things are evolving fast. Um, Mm-hmm. But I see more and more people getting into the crypto space. Um, also, there will be some new energy-efficient solutions for blockchains. Mm-hmm. Um, we will probably have vehicles and cities connected to the, on the blockchain through the Internet of Things at some point in the future. Yeah, right. It's, it's not so much science fiction anymore. Uh, autonomous vehicles are a hot topic right now in an industry of the future. I definitely root for energy efficient solutions, but adoption is another topic. And another tough question, or maybe not, um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Um, I will probably do much less uh, programming work and more consulting work. Mm -hmm. I also have some project ideas, uh, which I want to realize at some point. Um, Some of them are related to IT and a few are completely opposite. Okay. Uh, and of course, uh, more dedication to adrenaline sports. <laughs> uh, but I will see where my current path takes me. So just curious, what is the opposite of IT for you? Um, I have some sports and nature related ideas, but okay, at some point they will also need uh, some IT support to get better exposure. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I, th- I think it's almost impossible to escape IT and surely your developing skills are, are certainly relevant to where the world is going, you know, Insta everything, mm-hmm. digitalization, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I think this is a good point to end our talk today. Um, is there anything I have not asked you that you would like to add? Um, if I comment on my research and development work in Fortech, um, mm-hmm. I would like to point out that I'm happy that we came out uh, of the beta, beta stage uh, on many project levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that we are in the production stage, uh, the development process is not so intense uh, compared to before when we were gasping for air all the time, uh, mm. facing endless coding marathons and were faced with never-ending problem-solving challenges. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the main web platform client is in production, uh, mm-hmm. live, uh, live offering wallet-to-wallet data exchange available for all, simple and efficient to use. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, there are still a lot of challenges to overcome, but the main solution stands um, who, who knows, maybe we become the witnesser of the of the decentralized world. Ah, we transfer. Um, yeah, now that's, that's another expression uh, we use as a verb today, right? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm also excited about our development being done regarding for IAM, mm-hmm. uh, which stands for the instant messaging protocol that mm-hmm. we're building on the Solana blockchain. It's a fun project. Uh, sending messages was always fun. <laughs> In my opinion, it's another example of blockchain development in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, people need to have a choice uh, to be able to chat privately, uh, what our chain, on-chain messaging protocol can enable. The next step for us is data storage decentralization. We would really like to contribute here uh, to innovate um, so, that, so that our solution can really bring, uh, enable and simulate data decentralization. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I look forward to the next challenges. <laughs> well, that sounds great. And I, I think uh, some of the latest news is that you, uh, Fourth Tech, applied for the Solana Hackathon, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it's correct. Right? Yeah, mm -hmm. so that should be another one. Well, great. Um, I think that's a great attitude to have. Um, I think it's commendable that your team was able to pick itself up and reroute its programming to find solutions, given the constantly evolving dynamics of the blockchain environment. Um, so with the skills and your flexibility and fundamentals in mind, goal in sight, and, and of course, a solid and ethical intent or mission, which I personally think it's super important, you're delivering and contributing to the space. Um, so I can't help but circle back to the importance of being able to control your own or our own data. Uh, it's our fundamental right, and we should talk about it. So on that note, Denise, thank you very much. Um, thanks uh, to having me. Yeah. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks to our sponsor, Fourth Tech, who's supporting our first steps in the podcast world. And thank you to the Badian Music team for providing their music. You can check out their latest album on badianmusic.com. That's B-A-R-Y-A-N music.com. You can find this Fourth Tech talk with supporting information on our website, blockchainrecorded.com. You can also find us on Google, Apple, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. So let us finish today's episode with the following message. Despite its challenges, uh, decentralization is possible and important. Stay tuned for our next episode. Mm -hmm.